thank you for downloading this podcast from Gaimere Baptist Church. You can find out more about our church at our website, gaimerebaptist.org.au. May God speak to you as you listen. The reading today comes from John 17, 20 to 26, and it's titled, Jesus Prays for All Believers um, Before Jesus is Arrested. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray, for also, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you have given me, that you may be one, that, that they may be one as we are one, I and them and you and me, so that, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of this world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Thanks, Javid. Uh, thanks, uh, Richard and Sarah, for leading us in prayer. Uh, it's pretty powerful stuff, isn't it, to reflect on? Uh, for those of you who read the e-news or get the e-news and uh, read the little message that I kind of try to include in that each week, I think it's one of those obvious places for us to participate with what God's doing, because surely God is not happy with domestic violence either. Uh, and uh, while we are not the only ones who are seeking to, to, to move in that space and lean into that, uh, and we don't know exactly what that's going to look like for us as a community of faith, it's a still a pretty important opportunity for us that we certainly don't want to miss. Uh, well, uh, this Sunday in the church calendar for us is often a little bit of a mishmash. Uh, you've already heard, you know, it's, the, the, we just focused on this International Day of the Elimination of Violence Against Women. And uh, that's an important thing for us to do. It's one of the social justice issues that as a church we've uh, felt led to really kind of begin to lean into and to try to find kind of what we are called to do in that space. Uh, But you also heard, as uh, Jodine reminded us, that it's kind of the church anniversary uh, when the church was founded 69 years ago, and we've come a long way. Uh, And it's also a Sunday that over uh, the the time that I've been here, the last 20 years or so, that we've ended up kind of calling different things at different times. So occasionally we've talked about this Sunday as Celebration Sunday, and we've done what Jodine did at the outset, just kind of give an overview of all the great stuff that God's done or the things that we could think of, and we've done a whole bunch of stuff to think and reflect on uh, the things that uh, we hope to see in the future. Sometimes we've spoken about this Sunday as uh, Commitment Sunday, where we kind of pitch forward about the goals that we've been looking at uh, for next year because we're getting close to the end of this year and most of our programs and goals are winding up and we're starting to wind up for next year, all that kind of stuff. And so this kind of becomes a all-in kind of Sunday uh, when there's all sorts of different focuses. And yet one of the things that we've also tried to do on this Sunday is to talk about vision and the vision and purpose that we have. And that, to me, seems to be the most important thing for us to focus on again this morning in part because it is our vision and our purpose that makes sense of all those other bits and pieces. So even the fact that this is the the anniversary Sunday, the kind of the birth of our church, uh, reminds us that the community started with this vision to be a light on the highway, 
right, to be a community of faith that ultimately, even though this was not their language, it's more of ours, wanted to see lives changed by Jesus. That's what was so important to them, and so they founded a community of faith. When we select the things that we want to celebrate over the course of this last year, that's a choice that's made often on the basis of purpose. Uh, There's a whole bunch of great stuff that happens around the church, but it's those things that are closest to our heart that we want to celebrate the most, right? Uh, It's also our purpose that leads us to be involved in domestic violence. This belief that uh, God would not be pleased with that, is not pleased with that, and wants to bring restoration and renewal in that area of our world. And so to take some time to come back once again to our vision and to our purpose as a church, to kind of remind us what's kind of brought us here and to remind us what we're going to be talking about in our AGM, because of course we had to do that today as well, right? Uh, And so I want to return to this really critical text for us that we have a portion of over our door, Uh, John chapter 20. Right, when Jesus comes on the day of his resurrection to his confused, bewildered, and frightened disciples and invites them into the most remarkable mission around. When he says to them, as the Father sent me, I am sending you. A mission that we believe uh, was not just for the original 12, but also for us as those who are followers of Jesus. And I don't know, um, many of you probably don't care or don't think much about how sermons get constructed, but when I was thinking about kind of going back to that text again, I thought, oh, it might be interesting just to go through the Gospel of John and uh, do a little bit of uh, research in terms of the other places that Jesus talks about his being sent or about the people that he sends and how that might inform our thinking about participating with God in his mission in the world. And so I looked it up and there's about, I don't know, almost 60 examples of the word send or sent or variations in John's gospel, many of which end up talking about Jesus's mission. And so he says things like this in John chapter 3, that he was not sent to condemn the world, but to save it. Uh, He describes a little little bit later on in that chapter that as the one who has been sent, he speaks the words of God. Uh, In chapter 4, he talks about the fact that as the one who has been sent, he has been sent to do the will of God. And in chapter 5, he talks about the fact that his actions point to the things of God and the fact that he has been sent to do the will of God, and on and on it goes. But my, um, my interest was really kind of caught in chapter 17, a passage that we're going to be looking at in a moment. And it was caught initially uh, in the previous prayer. Jesus in chapter 17 prays three prayers. He prays that he might be glorified in this hour, that God's will would be completed in him. Then he prays for his disciples, and then he prays for those who will come to believe. And when he's praying for his disciples, what struck me was verse 18. If you have your Bibles and want to have a quick look at it, He basically says in the midst of his prayer, as you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. And and what caught my attention was this remarkable kind of sandwiching technique that John then uses. So nearly the last words that Jesus speaks to his disciples, albeit in prayer, so they are listening in on his conversation with his father, but almost the last thing that they hear him say to them is that as the father sent him into the world, he has sent them into the world. And then he is betrayed and arrested and crucified. And the first thing he says when he is raised from the dead and meets his disciples is, as the father sent me, so I'm sending you. I thought, wow, 
I had noticed that before. It's amazing how you can read something over and over again and never see it, right? And this idea that the last words Jesus spoke before he died and the first words he spoke when he rose were wrapped around this idea of, I have sent you. I have sent you as the Father has sent me. This is so critical. But then as I was moving through the text, the next examples of the word sent and sending occur in chapter 17, verses 20 to 26, the passage that was just read for us. This idea then, and I often find Jesus a little bit hard to follow in John's gospel. He seems to kind of go around and around and around a little bit, and I have a hard time kind of following the linear thought. But you got the gist of it, didn't you? Jesus' prayer, right? Jesus' prayer, his desire for us. And just think about that for a moment. Jesus is praying for you and for me. Uh, And, you know, like, I don't know about you, when I pray for other people, I pray for the things that I think are most important in their lives, right? You know, so if someone's uh, sick or uh, someone is going through a hard time, that's what I pray about, right? You probably do the same thing. When I pray for my children, right, I pray... I pray that they would have good friends and that God would help them make good decisions, right? And that they would learn what it means to love and follow Him. And if there's something more specific, then I pray for that. Decisions that they're making about school or whatever it might be. I'm trying to pray for the things that are most important, right? Jesus is praying for the things that He feels are most important for us. And what does He think is most important for us? That we be one. That we come to complete unity. And yet, I think sometimes we don't really understand, or I haven't really understood, what that unity is on about. Sometimes I think we, we think structurally, uh, structurally about how you know, groups or organizations or the church as a whole is united. Uh, we think about uh, the importance of agreement in unity. I'm not sure that's necessarily necessary, right? I don't think we have to agree to be unified. Uh, or, and this is where uh, theological education can sometimes be a little bit unhelpful, and don't get me wrong, I'm very thankful for my theological education, but you can end up having this conversation about how Jesus and the Father are one, and you end up kind of down this philosophical, metaphysical lane, which isn't actually what Jesus is on about here. He says, I want them, he prays, I want them to be one as the Father and the Son are one. And when you think about how Jesus and the Father are one, it wasn't this kind of a, um, it wasn't a philosophical oneness. It wasn't a philosophical unity at all. It was actually relationship expressed through participation. That is unity, according to Jesus here. It is relationship expressed through participation. Let me explain what I mean. Um, It's nearly Christmas. (laughs) It's nearly Christmas. And so, like most families, right, we have little traditions, right? You have traditions at Christmas, Right? You set the tree up at a certain day, or you do it in a certain way, or you go and uh, check out all the lights at a certain point in time, or you watch a particular family movie, or whatever it might be. Is it anyone else? Or is it just my family? Everyone's got those families, right? That is a unifying thing, isn't it? Where you know you're part of the family because you're doing what the family does, right? So, you know, we've, uh, we've, had, uh, we, we've got two boyfriends in the family right now. So if they're around, they're watching The Grinch this Christmas, right? Uh, Because that's what we do uh, in the Raider household. And if you don't participate with that, well, then you are not one of us, 
right? If you've seen the movie Matilda, uh, the royal doll, kind of classic about this young woman, maybe you've read the book, a young woman who is really not <laughs> like her family. She likes reading. She's very, very bright. Her family, her father's a petty crook. Her mother's just totally superficial. Uh, and uh, one day they're sitting there watching this horrible game show on television, and that's their family time. They're all at their TV tables eating their dinner, and Matilda's on the, the, the lounge reading, and the dad throws his cutlery down and walks over to her and says, are you in this family? Are you in this family? And he says, what are you doing? She's reading. He says, I'm sick of this reading. You're a wormwood. Start acting like it. That's unity, right? (laughs) Relationship expressed through participation. How did we know, how do we know that Jesus, the son, was one with the father? Because there was no kind of spiritual umbilical cord that you could see, right? There was no kind of philosophical, metaphysical, ontological category that Jesus was interested in. How did we know that Jesus was one with the Father? Because he did and said the things the Father did and said. It was relationship expressed through participation. He said, I and the Father are one. How do you know? Because I say the things that the Father wants said, and I do the things the Father wants doing, and I'm about the will of the Father. I'm about participation in His mission. That's how you know that I, the Son, am one with the Father. And then Jesus prays that you and I would be one. That our relationship with God and with one another would be expressed through participation in the same things. Are you in this family? Start acting like it. These are the things we do. It's participation. This is the unity that Jesus is praying for. A unity in mission. It's a unity that comes from the clarity of purpose. It's a clarity of purpose. Have you ever met someone? They're normally entrepreneurial types, visionary types, but they they know exactly who they are and they know exactly what they want. You ever met someone like that? Maybe you are like that, right? You probably have a lot of friends who are just sucked along in your wake because people like that are really attractive, aren't they? You just want to hang out with people who know who they are and where they're going, what they want out of life. There's this unifying focus. There's this power of vision that just sucks us along. I kind of wonder if that's not part of what made Jesus so attractive. He knew who he was and he knew what he was on about. And when you get a group of people, when you get a group of people who are unified, who really know who they are and what they're on about, not only are they attractive, not only are they invitational, but they have the opportunity to to have disproportionate influence. They can have a disproportionate influence for the number of people that they actually are. Think about Jesus' disciples and what happened in the generations following Jesus' death and then ascension into heaven. That small group of disciples turned the world upside down. Why? Ah, there was the Holy Spirit. Right, yeah, it was the Holy Spirit. But they were unified by the Holy Spirit, weren't they? And because they knew who they were and what they were on about, because they knew what they were trying to achieve, they turned the world upside down. Disproportionate influence. 
And we are called and invited into that same kind of space to be one. Not, 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 not to agree with each other on everything. Not, not to just kind of try to put some false, false sense of unity on it. Because unity, just as an aside, in our culture right now is pretty hard to come by, isn't it? Whatever the reason, rampant individualism, uh, overlaid with the short attention span of social media, uh, that means that we can't actually have long conversations about anything or build any significant trust, and therefore we just have black and white conversations about everything, where we polarize the world and it's us versus them. That's not unity. That's false unity at best, isn't it? In fact, we we tend to settle for alliances rather than unity. An alliance is pragmatic opportunity where we can do each other some good right now, but the moment something goes wrong, I drop you like you're hot, right? It's all over. That's not unity. And often our unity is actually identified by separating us from others. Have you noticed that? What unifies is the fear of other people, the fear of the unknown, the fear of what's out there. It's it's bizarre, But unity can't come from that. It actually comes from an internal drive. It comes from an internal purpose. That's what makes it so attractive to us. And Jesus wants us to be unified. This is what he prayed for, that we would be clear about our purpose, that we have been sent into the world by Jesus with the Spirit. And when Jesus talks about the Spirit just a couple of chapters earlier, he says that the Spirit's task is to remind us of all that Jesus said. To teach us. What was Jesus always talking about? Particularly if you look at the other gospels, but the kingdom. The kingdom. And in John's gospel, it's about bringing light to the darkness and about bringing salvation rather than condemnation. To bring reconciliation and hope. To lead people through the doorway of Jesus Christ. To bring them along the way of Jesus Christ. To introduce them to the truth of Jesus Christ. To, give them, to bring them and introduce them to the life that is found in Jesus, that they might cross over from death to life. That is the invitation that we've been given. That's our purpose. That's why this opportunity to stand with our wider community against domestic violence is such an easy thing, isn't it? Because that just sounds like it lines up totally with what God's on about. We are unified by purpose. We are unified by spirit. But we are also, when we talk about unity, we are actually invited to make a choice. Because unity is an internal decision that we make. Unity is an internal decision that we make. I was thinking a bit about unity over the course of the week in preparation for this. And thinking that, you know, whenever people try to break up something that's unified, there's, a, there's pressure or opposition or persecution or whatever it is from the outside, none of that can actually destroy unity. Unity is only destroyed when people inside destroy unity. So there is a choice that we are invited to make. This is not some prayer just for a supernatural expression of unity where we suddenly all agree on something, which would be a miracle, right? This is a unity of purpose that is not only brought about by the Spirit of God, reminding us of the things that Jesus has said and inviting us in our day-to-day lives to be involved in Him, but it's also a decision that you and I are invited to make. And it's not a decision about being united. It's a decision to participate 
with God in what he's doing. It is an invitation to decide to be part of this family. Not just at JBC, but, but the family of God. To decide to be a part of what God is doing. To make that decision. And to allow that to define who you are and what you're on about. Because the invitation to participate with God is all around us. At least as encouragement to us this morning, right? To sing, not just because we're worshiping God, but because you might encourage the people around you. Who knows what God's doing in other people's lives because you're singing, right? Maybe they're praying for you. The thing that they believe you need most. Tune, right? You know, just the other week, actually, just the other week, I always sit down here, you know that, and uh, I think Job was leading, I think. I can't, it doesn't, doesn't really matter. And uh, the, the, the music was quiet from the platform, and so you could really hear people singing. And, and I, I just stopped singing, actually, for a moment, and was reminded, I think by the Spirit of God, that that, what was happening behind me, is what this is all about. You're not... You're not here because of me. You're here because you love Jesus. That was a little reminder. And, and then there, there's, there's a responsibility that I have to be the senior pastor here. There's certain things that I'm called to do, that God has placed upon me to do. And there's a bunch of stuff that he hasn't called me to do. Praise God. It was just this gentle reminder. And your singing, your singing sparked the opportunity for the Spirit to encourage me in that moment, Huh? So everything from singing in church to participating in the community walk against domestic violence to the conversations that you may have with colleagues and friends and neighbors, the opportunities exist before you in all sorts of ways, and that is what Jesus wants us to be unified on, to be one, as he and the Father are one, one, and a unity of relationship expressed in participation, Our you part of this family. Well, are you? Because this is the invitation that we have before us. This is the prayer that Jesus has made for us. And so as our response today, I'm, I'm just going to assume that you're in this family. And so in just a moment, I'm going to ask all of us to stand. I'm going to invite the team to come on up right now and prepare to lead us in our closing song of worship. Uh, But I'm going to get us to stand as an act of unity, uh, but then to pray that each one of us would be able to make that choice to participate and to be one, to be on about the things that God is on about. And when you leave, to see again for for the first time in a fresh way, those words over the door, spoken to each one of you by the Spirit. As the Father sent me, I am sending you to do the same stuff. So let's be one. So will you stand with me and allow me to lead us in prayer as the community of faith that we might make that decision to be one 
and that the Spirit of God might knit us together and that the prayer of Jesus might be answered in our midst and we might take up those opportunities that exist before us every day. So join me as we pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the extraordinary, mind-boggling invitation to participate with you. It's just remarkable. The last words that you spoke to your disciples were about mission. The first words you spoke after your resurrection were about mission. And the words that you speak to us today are the same. And, and we know that there's a whole bunch of stuff that we uh, can, can do and are invited into, and there's a whole bunch of stuff that we're not responsible for. We cannot bring new life to people. We cannot, we, we cannot change their lives, but you can. And so we pray that we might be one. And then as a community of faith, we might be unified, particularly in our commitment to and our decision to participate with you in whatever way you invite us to. Open our eyes, we pray. Soften our hearts, we ask, that we might be aware in a fresh new way about all the ways that you invite us to participate and grant us the boldness, the courage, and by your spirit, the words to speak and the actions to do that will bring about the outcomes that you're so passionate about, that you gave your life for. Forgiveness, reconciliation, redemption, renewal of all things. And we, your people, stand together and pray these things in your name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen.